Welcome back, everyone, to the Disaster Tough Podcast, where we share insights into the big plays and right calls of leadership. We dive deep into the stories, lessons learned, and ideas that will help you in the field. Let's go. Hey, everybody. This is John Scardina. I'm meeting with Pete Gaynor today. He is a returning guest. I think this might be the third time Pete is on the show. Everybody, I am so excited for so much that's happening today. Pete and I are actually recording on the 14th, so if you're out there in the world, hopefully you're having a good day on the 14th of February. However, yeah, hearts, hearts, hearts repeat. That's going to be a, a new thing. But uh, anyways, hey, I, I'm before Pete starts talking about all this amazing things, all the leadership stuff he's going to be talking about today, I want to do just a, one, a big thank you to him and all of our dynamic population students who have been able to see him in person and provide a great feedback about his leadership course. Man, Pete has just an amazing competency, capability to share insights in leadership. And I'm very, very pleased to announce that exclusive for TRL Insiders, so if you're subscribed to the Readiness Lab, you get a special 25% off on his uh, course, which is huge. So Pete, with that uh, awesome introduction, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. It's good to be here on Valentine's Day. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a funny video out there uh, where this guy goes around to all of his buddies and says, "Hey, he's my boy. We're friends. He's my boyfriend." And all the guys start squirming in the background. It's pretty funny. So I won't do that to you. But uh, happy right. Valentine's to to you and your wife. Oh, same to you, right? You Thank gotta, you. Got to give love. What you got to give love. <laughs> got to give love. Uh, so we're let's talk about leading during crisis, leading through crisis. Your uh, your course. It's an amazing, uh, I I've seen probably the, maybe a third of the version because you gave some of it live to us, but it, it expands from there. Can you just kind of dive into your course a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, the course is really based on, uh, not all of my time at FEMA, but a, a good chunk of my time at FEMA because it was a special, it's a special place at a special time, uh, in the nation's history. Um, I had a I had a unique position as the FEMA administrator and as the acting Secretary of Homeland Security, kind of engage at the highest levels of government uh, right. and with uh, like really special people, right on on the on the entire spectrum, right. And got to see a lot from the inside. And uh, you know, I've been I've been I've been in the military for 26 years. I worked at the local and state government, and I and I and I thought I've seen a lot, right, uh, at at those levels. But at the federal level, and especially during you know the pandemic and through COVID and everything that was attached to that, I mean, I, I got some pretty unique insights mm. about uh, about a national crisis. And so part of my goal was to, and, and it took me about a year to think about, you know, all the things I had been through and seen. And I and I mm. took a lot of notes, uh, contemporaneous notes in some cases, um, and I realized that. I should I sh I need to share some of this because it doesn't happen off often enough, right? Mm. Uh, and it may only happen to like one person. So, you know, I, I'm picking myself as the one person, and you know, I probably had an obligation to share some of that with uh, with the, the profession of emergency management, homeland security. So, mm. um, I started the course, and I only did it in in person, and so I did it for DIPOP uh, out there, and I think we were in Atlanta. That's right. Well, first I, time. Probably the first iteration of that was yeah. kind of my pilot course. And I've done it several times uh, for companies and and universities and all sorts of different things. 
uh, and had great feedback. And part of my my goal was, you know, I didn't want to do it in front of 100 people. I, mm -hmm. I try to do it, you know, 25 to 50 where it's not so big, like people can't answer questions or ask questions. Uh, and you kind of, you know, you keep that kind of intimate kind of back, back and forth dialogue. But I think that's like the most important thing about the course. Yeah. And, and then I had a number of people just ask me, hey, can, how, how can I take the course individually? And I like, I, I don't do the course individually. You, you got to find a group. And, and I, I kind of put off for a while. And then I realized I had so many people ask me individually, then I should really do something. And so last year, I, I hired a company to help me uh, build the course, do all the video, the content, you know, take my live course and turn it into, um, turn it into this, this uh, online on-demand course, Leading mm. to Crisis. Um, and it's been up and running now, I think, uh, probably the, the beginning of this year, you know, in a more fall, we had kind of a soft launch, but probably since the first of January, it's been up and running, has a really, really great response. We still have some tweaks to do on how we, on how we deliver it a little bit. Um, but, uh, but now anyone can, can sign up and, and take the course, uh, at their leisure and have all the resources that, uh, I provided inside the course. And there's two levels for the course. There's one level that it's just, you just take the course. There's another level where um, it's a little bit more expensive, uh, but I don't think it's prohibitive. But you can spend 30 minutes with me and I'll kind of, maybe you can ask me questions, hmm. uh, whether it's about the course or not about the course, we will have 30 minutes together at least. And we'll talk about crisis leadership and maybe you have a problem that I can help you answer. Um, but I wanted to provide some resource to uh, some of the students that, uh, that took the, the, the higher level. So anyway, that's it in a nutshell. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue, and collapsed and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. If you served in the military, you've probably worn Proper Apparel. Proper Apparel is now reaching out to first responders and those who love the outdoors. Check out Proper Apparel from the outdoors to the EOC, wear proper. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The um, leading during crisis is, uh, by the way, and I, I had to correct my own self from saying through earlier, but it's definitely leading during crisis, femapeak.com. So everybody should be checking that out 100%. And we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, when I was uh, down in Florida, and I think I talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. When I was down in Florida, I shared seven lessons of leadership that I've learned from other people across the field. I think you actually know most of these people, but one of them... One of those lessons was focusing on you. And it came from a moment when uh, we were in Savannah, IAEM, and you were sitting at a table um, and it looked like you were super busy. You're 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 doing something on your phone. And these two college students came up to you. I don't know if you remember this. And yeah, they yeah. sat down and without hesitation, they started asking you a ton of questions. And what I found fascinating was um, your ability to uh, be in the moment with another person and just to talk to them. I've met a lot of mid-level emergency managers or mid-level career people who think they're high and mighty, who who blow people off. And I've met some people in senior leadership who uh, miss an opportunity to engage. 
And I was, uh, as a bystander in that moment, I was really shocked and impressed that somebody with so many, so many accolades that you've had in our field is being, is willing to be so approachable. And so, uh, if you can get 30 minutes with Pete, man, I would take that 30 minutes a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, th I think, you know, as a leader at any level, you, you have an obligation, but this is, this is me personally, but I think you have a, an obligation to kind of pass on some of the things that, that you have learned. Right. Yeah. Um, and if, if somebody asks you, uh, about something and you have the time that you, you should do it, I'm not sure, uh, how it, how, how you make the, the generation that's going to replace us smarter if you just kind of ignore them. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think this is, this is part of the, the genesis of the course. Right. So. Yeah. If you want to know like what I went through and what, and what I think is important in a crisis, and it doesn't have to be a national crisis. It can be, you know, whatever you want it to be in your in your world, right? So whether it's a local, state, tribe, territory, county, right? If you're having a crisis, hopefully the things that I, I share the course will help you navigate, uh, uh, you know, that crisis and come out successful on the other side because that's what it's all about. Yeah. But you know, back to sharing time. Uh, I, I think just something I, I've, I've always done uh, because I think people did it w with me when I was younger, like asked them a question. They actually sat down and, and gave me the answer. Now, you won't, in some cases, you don't get all the time you, you think you deserve, but but mm. to take a moment or two and, and kind of share what you can share uh, based on the moment, I think you ha you have an obligation to do it. Well, that's where it comes like situational awareness. Like people do get busy, right? Like ultimately, if you're on the call with, you know, somebody you would have probably have to say, Hey, maybe for another time, if you want to respect that for sure. Uh, it's the ability to be approachable and, and to, to have that idea. I once heard that, you know, uh, try and fail is, uh, the baseline way to learn, uh, watching other people fail is even better. Watching other people who have succeeded and replicate is the best way. And, uh, like, honestly, that's where like those, those lessons, I think there's 16 or so, yeah. Um, that you provide, but like, you know, there's all this opportunity to just like get it right the first time. And we historically as a field do not, we're not great about passing that down. So the fact that you're like doing that right now is yeah. like the pinnacle of where we need to get going as a field. Well, I mean, you know, everyone, no one likes to lose. Right. Uh, mm. And if you're fortunate enough to go through your entire life and never lose, then you're, that's a, that's a unique kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and some people, um, again, no one wants to, you know, lose or be defeated, Sure. but there's times that you will lose and you will be defeated. And so, yeah. uh, I, and I, uh, and I've, I've been there on, on multiple levels. Um, and in some cases, I think you learn more, uh, in, in your defeat than you do in your success. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if, if you have failed at something, right. And you just want to forget about it and put it behind you and never think about it again. I think you're doing yourself a disservice, right? Mm. Because in that failure is like, are there there's pearls of wisdom about why you failed or what you could have done better? So again, mm. um, you know the things that I share in the course, uh, a lot of them are, are successes, but a lot of them are failures. But that's that's the essence of of uh, leadership and especially lead, leading in a crisis, right? Yeah, uh, I, I I say that. You know, there's very few opportunities for do-overs, um, but you have to you have to be aware of your surroundings. Uh, you have to be adaptable. Uh, you could have a failure and then just quit and 
and not do it anymore, but you have mm -hmm. to be adaptable and try again to, to overcome that obstacle or that, or that failure. Uh, but again, sure. uh, I, 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 my, my goal is to share some of these, these, these bits of wisdom, uh, with, uh, with the next generation that, uh, will, will take my place as the female administrator, right? It's just, just, just the way it works. So my, I know <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is actually from star Trek. I'm not like a star Trek guy, but I have to give the credit where credit's due. Yeah. You can do everything right and still lose, man, yeah. that, that one. That one allows me to get over the barrier of like being afraid to look at my own incompetencies and everybody has them. Like you got to be humble enough to say like, okay, like I screwed up here, but um, yeah. it's also okay to say like, Oh, like I just wasn't better than the chiefs this year, for example, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Because the, the enemy has a vote, right? That's, mm. that's, 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 Ooh, I like that. That's another right? good one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And again, in, in this course, I share a couple things about, um, you know, you, 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 you see your path to success. Um, but there's, but there are others, right? There are others out there, other humans like you, uh, that don't want to see you succeed for whatever reason that is. Yeah. Uh, they take, uh, they take, and th this is, this is a minority of people, right? But I'm trying to, you know, one of these nuggets I'm trying to share is that you have to be aware of this, but there's, uh, there's people out there rooting for you to fail. Right. Yes. How, how, how as bizarre as that sounds. Right. And people that have an agenda that are not aligned with yours and you could do everything right. And you could be torpedoed by someone who has an agenda that try to tries to undermine you. Right. And so how do you overcome that? Mm. So, again, these are some of the things in the course that that we talk about. But you're you're, you're absolutely right. Well, let's talk about the, the actual like content then, because, yeah. you know, you were the FEMA administrator. You were the acting secretary of Department of Homeland Security. We've worked with both parties at the federal level. I'm sure at the you know at the state level as well. You've worked with everybody across the board. Sometimes their agendas work well with you. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you think you get along and you find out that their priorities are all over the place. There's all kinds of different things that can happen. Yeah. What's in your course that addresses that specifically? Because we're in such a climate now where people have to remember to start like coordinating, collaborating, even when there are different agendas happening. Uh, you know, I think one of the things, and, and it, this may not be a surprise to many people, but it, it's all about um, um, what I call like the foundations of success. So things like uh, staying out of politics. So, you know, in my, in a hundred percent of my time as an emergency manager, right? So the city of Providence for seven years, the state of Rhode Island for four and and FEMA for almost three. I was a political appointee, right? Mm. Uh, and and many would assume, and I think most probably state directors and local directors, county directors are probably political appointees, right? For the sure. most part, yeah. Um, but part of my goal, and I think part of my like long term success was, I tried to stay out of even though I was a political appointee, right? I tried to stay out of politics, mm. uh, right? Because once you once you mix public safety with like the politics of the office, right? Yeah. You know whether it's the governor or the president, it you you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose, right? It, it, those things do not mix. Yeah. They can mix, but the result is is gonna be something that you that you don't want. So you know one of my things in building the the foundations of success is to stay out of politics, and so I I, I have some ideas uh, about that. Uh, the, the next thing, and this is like the first module that I do is, you know, surrounding yourself with the very best people. 
Uh, and I and I tell the story about uh, a book by Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld's Rules. And if you haven't read it, it's a great book to to uh, have. It's very readable and some great great nuggets of uh, of knowledge in there. But uh, but Rumsfeld says, you know, uh, A's higher A's and B's higher C's. So if you're like an A type personality, you're you're hiring for the most part people exactly like you or smarter than you. Because yeah. you realize that I need the smartest people around me, especially in these 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 positions that have a lot at stake, right? Why would you hire something someone who's less talented than you to help you be successful? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So A's hire A's, right? And B's hire C's. And so the difference is, you know, you know, the B personality, they're afraid to be upstaged by anyone. And so they're gonna hire they're not hiring another B, they're hiring somebody else that has you know, less skill, less talent, you know, less of something else uh, because it makes them feel comfortable. Yeah. But put under pressure, it's going to fold. So again, surround yourself with the very best people. And I, have a, I have a couple of great stories about how I surrounded myself and how, and how those people through the entire, you know, this thing about COVID and the wildfires and hurricanes of, you know, 2020, those people followed me through every single bit of what I did. But it's because I found them early on, right? Mm. So that, that's one of them. And, and the two final connected uh, topics in that first module are uh, be clear about um, about the mission and then setting priorities, right? Mm. So if you don't tell people what the mission is and they don't understand the mission and they don't understand their role in the mission, they don't understand how they're going to make the mission successful. If you can't like articulate that at the simplest level, because you know, FEMA, 20,000 strong, uh, you know, maybe all the executives that are around you understand the mission because they see it every day, but you have to make it understandable for the mm. person who just got hired yesterday, right? So, uh, and then again, priorities, what's important, what's not. So that's kind of like a first bite of, of, of the module, you know, foundations of success, and it, and it goes on from there. Hey, we just want to do a quick pause X to thank our sponsors, L3 Harris, Proper, Paladin Biasella, Impulse, Doberman Emergency Management, and especially all of you who have been donating to our podcast. Thank you for helping us boost the signal. All right, let's jump back in. In Atlanta, I had an opportunity for you to sit down with me. And uh, we went, kind of went over everything. And again, you're a approachable guy. And uh, you said something to me that has uh, bothered me a lot. And you said, avoid distractions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, man, what what a... What a pinpointed reality that I needed to, a major check of like, oh man, I'm focusing on these things that ultimately do not matter that are pulling away from the mission. And uh, I think I've brought that on in a couple different episodes, but you know, th there's so many things that seem important to people, but in the, the grand scheme of things are honestly a distraction. And, uh, you know, um, I think I might even share that on a, a podcast about a week ago about people with different priorities. I'm now I am not a fan of Alabama. I'm an Ohio state guy all the way, but Nick Saban, you know, said something uh, similar. He said, uh, you know, high performers do not get along with low performers and low performers resent and do not get along with high performers. And Oh my gosh, that has been the most true thing. And like, I run a small business, you know, we only, you 20,000 people at FEMA. We got 20 people, 25 people over here. And the people who are low performers, nobody likes them and they, they don't get along. And 
we're at this point now. It's just like if you're not incredibly motivated, incredibly intelligent, and have a high moral code, you're out. Like yeah. it's just nobody a, likes a, it. A's higher A's and B's higher C's, and that and that's exactly yeah. what it is. So you know, uh, I know I'm not sure I discussed it in the in the course, but I've shared this with other people. When I was it when I was in the city of uh, I'm sorry, the state of Rhode Island, you know, part of my 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 challenge was uh, hiring hiring better people. Mm. Um, and and getting rid of people that were distracted to the mission and to myself, and it mm. took a and and I, mean, I dedicated myself to it. Uh, you might you, some may know my my deputy at the time, Mark Pappas, who's now the state director. Uh, Mark and I like had a blood oath that we're gonna turn this place around. We're gonna we're gonna start with people, uh, and and part of it was uh, we're gonna hold people accountable at every mm. level, right from the top to the bottom, uh, and then. Uh, if, if if you can't be accountable, you're you're gonna find your way out the door. And the other half of that is, <laughs> I did not delegate the hiring of people to someone else, right? Interesting. Uh, both myself and my deputy Mark and I uh, personally interviewed every single employee, uh, mm. which takes a lot, which takes a lot of time. But once you, you know, when you're in state government and you're in you're in a union state. You know, once you hire someone, you own them, right? You you own them for life. So, uh, quickly important, right? You got to hold people accountable on one side because the people that are really good want accountability, right? They want accountability because they're working hard and they're thinking people get away with you know the, the low performance get away with murder. So why should I work so hard? So sure. accountability is hard. But the other one is do not delegate. I mean, in some cases, right? As the FEMA administrator, I I, I didn't interview twenty thousand employees. But I, but I interviewed most SESs, right? I had a personal hand in hiring uh, SESs. Uh, so don't delegate that because um, if you want to change like the culture of your organization and you want it to be more like you, then you have you, right? And your trusted agents that you mm-hmm. that you that are around you. That's how it's going to get changed by hiring people that have the same core values that you have in the same beliefs. If you delegate that out, you're going to wake up someday and say, how did this, how did I build this organization that is not doing what I wanted to do? So again, it's some simple stuff, but you got to like, you have to kind of be committed to that. So let's talk about that hiring process and specifically, let's say like somebody's listening in. We actually just um, on the other side, on the Doberman side, we've talked with several universities to help them uh, get larger staff. Basically everybody's understaffed except for Washington university has 15. That's insane. But you know, outside of that, uh, people were like, Oh man, I could just use one or two other people. How do you identify? I mean, especially when you're looking at resumes, when you're looking at people coming in, how do you identify somebody who's just, you know, a killer, like the top of their game, that a type, you know, that you're looking for? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it is a process because, you know, for one job, and I'm just, I'm thinking back to my Rhode Island days, you know, for one job, I may get 600 applications. Right. Um, and, you know, we split the duties about looking through, the, yeah, because you have, because legally you have to look at all those resumes. Um, and, and on the whole, like two thirds of everyone who's applying for that job has no business applying for that job. <laughs> right. I'm, and, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, People who are just like spamming mm. uh, open jobs, you yeah. have no skill set. Uh, then it's the other third where you have to kind of take a harder look. Uh, but ultimately, it gets down to you know the top twenty, 
You know, if you had 600 apply, you're getting down to the top 20. And, you know, you're going to, you, you're looking, and I hate to say it, but you're not looking to hire them. You're looking to disqualify them. Like what, mm. what's in that resume? Because you're not talking to anyone. You're just looking at what they wrote. You're looking for a reason to disqualify them. And it could be something as, as silly as, you know, they can't spell. <laughs> yeah. They didn't proof their, they didn't proof. That's why I didn't their, get all those jobs because I can't spell. <laughs> they didn't proof check their thing. It's just attention to detail. Right. So again, right. Is it is it a is it a killer? Right? No, but it's like it's it's a it's a reason that maybe I don't want to talk to you. Um, mm. And I know it sounds harsh, but you know, with six hundred resumes, you're gonna find a, you're gonna find the difference between you know the one you want and the one you don't want. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to like the top three or five. I mean, and 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 all those resumes, right, are are equally the same. I think, right? Dif- not exactly the same, but equal in weight and experience. Mm. And it really comes down to the person that you're, you're hiring. Do they fit into my organization? And, you know, you ask them, you know, we had, we had a, we had a set of questions that we used all the time to kind of, you know, take a deep dive into what, what we wanted and what we think, what we thought we were hiring. So again, it's, it's the last three or five that are going to, are going to make the difference. Uh, the, there is a, um, high level position that I interviewed for and I got, uh, and there was 17 interviews that I had to go for um, at this place. It was insane. And like the third or fourth one, uh, it was about 40 tell us a time win questions. And I hate those questions with all what, my heart. What are they? Tell us a time win. Have you heard these? Oh, 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 yeah. Tell yeah. us a time win, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. It's like, oh, here we go. I care too much. That's my big problem, right? Like yeah. all those, those are the BS answers. But uh, try to get a lo- away from that. You know, uh, funny enough, uh, the attention to detail is like my number one thing at this point. We do a lot of marketing. Uh, we ha- we say we're a design company that happens to do emergency management or whatever. And if somebody submits a resume that is just hard to read, it's like you don't, I, I, you, I, you're out. Like I, I'm, I can't handle that. So it, it is brutal, but it's the reality of like, yeah. if you want to get a job, you have to put your best foot forward at all times. And and here, because you you just said it. And so one of the things, if, if I read your resume and like I said, this, this guy or gal can write, like if you can actually write mm. a compelling something, right. To convince me to do something, yeah. I want to hire you. Right. Because there's not enough good writers out there. Yes. So for those that are looking for a job and are wondering why they, they can't get past the, the gatekeeper, you know, take a look at your resume, you know, mm. Have someone other than you or other than your mother who's going to tell you that you're fantastic yeah. and the writing is fantastic. Go out and spend a few bucks and hire someone. Go hire an editor for you know, a, you know, a couple hours. It'll probably cost you less than 100 bucks. Mm. And have them read and edit your resume, right? It's the best. It'll be the best money you ever, you've ever invested. But it is, your, it is the first impression of you, right? Mm. So be impressive, and that starts with a really, really good resume. Here's a, here's a random question for, I have for you, because yeah. if somebody gets 30 minutes with you, would you be open to doing like a mock interview with somebody? Like, hey, I'm going for a state director position, whatever it may be. I just want to spitball with you a few times. And just oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I mean, it's your 30 great. minute. You, 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 you bought it. So I'll talk about, you want to talk about, you know, 
the Patriots not getting in the Super Bowl. We can talk about that. <laughs> uh, or we can talk about your resume, or we can talk about whatever you want. No, I'll, I'll listen. See, I'll that... help you in any way you want me to help you. Like, just how incredible that is. Like, your course is about leadership, obviously, and, and that's where people should probably be gearing their stuff. But, like, to have a f former FEMA administrator to be like, hey, I'll do a mock interview with you, that alone, man, that, that would be so huge if somebody was, like, smart enough to actually, like, say, like, okay, like, I'm going for big stuff here. Or why is it working for me? Why is it not working for me? Yeah. Um, that's, that's, man, that would you know, be and, off and, the charts. Part of this is, you know, like mentorship, right? It, it's a, like a formal mentorship program. It, it's, it's time consuming. Mm. And I, I've been on both sides of it. So I've been a mentor and I've been a mentee and, um, you know, some, sometimes it's been good. And sometimes it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, it you're wasting my time, right. Mm. On both sides. Yeah. Because one of us is not committed like we should be. And, um, and so I've kind of like, uh, turn, I, I, I've tried to make it simpler for people, right. Mm. It's, because it takes time and it takes, you know, effort to, to, to be a good mentor or be a good mentee. And, and I think this, the simplest thing is just to like, try to be kind to people. Right. Mm. And so in that kindness, if you can be kind to them and, in the two minutes that you have, then it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like trying to help them along as a mentor, right? You, you're trying yeah. to help them in some smaller way, but it's just a little bit easier. So I would just say, right. Mm. You know, if you want to help someone, just, just, just be a little bit kind to them. And, and that may be all they need. So, uh, so if you get to be missed with me, uh, you know, if it's not illegal or moral or unethical, then I'd be happy to help you. That's awesome. The, <laughs> Uh, one of the uh, quotes I like a lot this is like the quote episode, apparently, but um, it's like, be a peacemaker. It's such an undervalued asset, like skill and, and tool that people have, like just being kind or being a peacemaker, like same kind of idea, just like even showing a little bit of gratitude, like just yeah. saying thank you where, where it's due. So, so but, that cuts both ways, though, because you don't want to be you don't want to be a pushover. Right. Yeah. But that's uh, different than being what I'm I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, like, you know. Being a loser, I'm talking about. Hey, give credit where credit's due. Sure. No, no, yeah, I, I do that. But, but, but again, in leadership, right? You, you have to have compassion, but you also have to have, like, and and again, this is in the, in the class, the the warrior ethos, right? You have to have the warrior ethos to win. And in some cases, um, you know, maybe kindness is not in that because it's it's about succeeding, and it's and it's so important that you must succeed Ooh, like because that. you know when you think about what's at stake in a pandemic, you know, being, being, you know, nice, right. In every single case is not going to make it happen. In some mm. cases you have to be the warrior and then you have, because be, because you have to have that kind of mindset to, to, to like cut through the hard, hard thing. So again, and you can be both, you can be both. Uh, but again, it's just not one side or the other. It's about a balance. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I yeah. mean, it's, uh, I say it a different way in my staff when we hire people, cause we're trying to find people who are like, you know, high performers, I'll tell them, Hey, I'll compliment you all day, but I'm dead inside. So if you screw up, I'll tell you. So I don't care. <laughs> like, honestly, like I have, I have high expectations for people, but I believe that they can meet those expectations. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, as long as you can like address people like that, like, Hey, I have high expectations for you. You're messing up, but I actually believe you can do it. So let's figure out why. Or if you can't, you know, you're, you're out like that red flag. I don't deal with red flags anymore. 
just because the work we're doing is so important. I, I can't distract that, but I can be polite to people. Um, as yeah, a yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, it, but you have, but you have to be both, right? Because yeah. in your case, you're running a business, uh, and and yeah. you you can't have anybody, uh, you know, dragging you down. Uh, no distractions. I'm avoiding distractions, Pete. <laughs> no distractions. No, 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 chasing the you know, like a squirrel, squirrel, right? <laughs> That has been my big problem my entire life. It was painful when you said it. Uh, hey, I want to ask you one last question in terms of the same vein, because I know we're running yeah. out of time here. But earlier on, we're talking about A's higher A's, B's higher yeah. C's. What happens, and this happens a lot with EM especially, where uh, the A is working for the B. And while that hiring process may be a little different, but you get in there and you're all excited. You're the t a team of one. You're working with a lot of stakeholders who are not EM. They just wanted the best EM person, but now there's a disconnect and or something happens. Your boss all of a sudden becomes super lazy. They realize they can check out. They've quite quit, those kind of things. As a leader and as somebody who is looking to get things done, besides getting out, because there's always that option, finding a better job, how do you how do you work with people who are low performers, especially when you answer to them? Because I mean, yeah. the reality is that it happens a lot. It does. Uh, so I'll just start by saying this, someone is always watching, right? Someone mm -hmm. is always watching, you know, your boss, they're watching you, they're watching, you know, the team, you know, and what that, maybe that's the governor, maybe it's the secretary, maybe it's right. But somebody's always watching what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you have a, a boss, that's a, a, a B and you're an A and you want to do more, you know, so you, you, this is a delicate situation. You know, but you, you have a you have an obligation you know to the boss to do the things that he or she wants you to do um should the should the boss want you to do something that's you know uh, unethical and moral or illegal then you have an obligation to say no right um uh, and and I, I would say you know ne I would never like deliberately undermine the boss because it's a dangerous dangerous thing right um uh, but I would I would just work as hard as I could for the organization and for the mission, right? As long as you really have, the, if you take the personality out of it and you do all the right things for the right reasons for the organization, for the mission, no one can ever hold you uh, or say that you did it, you know, you had a personal grudge, you did it for the wrong reason. But you, if you did it for the mission, you did it for the organization, you did what was best for the organization, uh, you tried to support your boss uh, as much as you could, uh, I think all those things count. Now, if you think if 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 you and you know as the number two uh, think that your boss is an underperformer, listen, you're not the only one. <laughs> you're you're not the only one who sees that. Other yeah. people see it, right? Yeah. And um, I would just say, do your best. Uh, people are taking notes. Keep people scoring. Uh, and there's gonna be a there's gonna be a moment in time, right? Uh, and I don't know when that moment's coming, but there's going to be a moment in time where they're going to say to the number one guy, you're out. Number two guy, get in there. So mm -hmm. uh, so I would just say, you know, be be careful. Uh, you know, don't take on, uh, you know, the persona of your boss if he's a slacker or she's a slacker. You got you got to do the very best. And it can be frustrating. I understand that. Uh, and if it doesn't work for you, then you got to go. Right. If, if you've done as much as you could do and it's not changing the dynamic of the organization that you're in 
and uh, and like you really have no other place to turn, then you have an obligation to yourself to quit, right? Yeah. Why would you want to be there? Somebody else will hire you because guess what? You've done all that hard work. You have a reputation. People know the hard work that you've done. You you you'll find another job. So so, yeah. There's a there's a time to stay and there's a time to go. My this, my staff may die when they hear this, but my favorite thing is to find somebody who's being undervalued in their job and offer them a job over here, because like a couple things yeah. happen. One, uh, when when somebody else does notice, it is a huge relief. You're like, okay, I want to work for somebody who's noticed me. And so obviously, like you're you're already creating like brand loyalty and like company loyalty when you hire somebody like that when you've recognized their efforts. Like two. You can get a, probably a pretty good value for hiring somebody because you just want to get out. So that's a great for hiring practice. And three, if you navigate that right, especially if they leave on positive terms, um, you're you're helping somebody get to like the next phase in their career and like really let it, letting them run. Yeah, it's like my favorite thing to like hire people is like oh like uh, so I intentionally look for people who I think are just amazing, and uh, I'm like just hoping that their company sucks. Honestly. And- and as and I, I'm I'm with you. And I, I and as a as a you know director, I have I have told people that work for me. Listen, like upward mobility, it's not going to happen. It's not going to not because you're not working hard, but it's just like there's no spot for you to go right. In order for yeah. in order for you to move up, I have to quit, or you know these people that have been there for twenty years have to retire. And, and yeah. it, I don't I don't see it. And and maybe you're spinning your wheels and you're getting frustrated. Maybe. I need to help you find another spot, right? And it's going to hurt me because I'm letting go of a really good person, but it will pay back in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, I think as a leader, you have an obligation to the, you know, the, for the people that are working really hard, you got to promote them, you got to reward them. Um, but in some cases, if there's no upward mobility in your organization, uh, for them, right, they mm-hmm. need to go find a, something that's a little bit more lucrative. Uh, and I don't mean in money. I'm talking about an opportunity. Sure. Uh, but you you can help. You can make that happen. Th- that thing will come back for years if you did that for someone, right? You would that person would be indebted for you for the rest of your life. So it's uh, maybe it hurts in the beginning, but I think long term it's a it's a great investment. Well, speaking of great investments, again, that was a softball, so I'm going to throw that in there. Uh, FEMAPete.com for your course, Leading During Crisis. Yep. Uh, honestly, uh, I said in the beginning, I'm going to say it again, I'm so grateful that you're able to come on here. And for that 25% off discount, of course, the TRL Insider. So, um, you know, you're yeah, doing yeah, good so things sign in the fields. For TRL Insider, you get 25% off the course. You can only get the code if you're a insider. This That's right. is a deal I'm giving John and his, and his, uh, his great followers. So... So uh, take advantage of that. All right. With that mic drop moment, we're going to end the podcast. Everybody, if you got something out of this podcast, if you liked what you're learning, if you have questions about leadership, you can do a couple things. Go to FEMAPete.com, sign up for his course, get the extra 30 minutes, talk to him, especially if you're struggling for to find a job. I know a lot of people who could probably use some um, practice interviews or just questions on leadership. If they have, If you're dealing with an active crisis and you don't have anybody to go to, Pete is a phenomenal resource that you can go to. So you have a, you have an avenue for that. Now, if you have a question for the community, if you found something that has worked for you, we've talked about, you know, Pete specifically has talked about the obligations he's felt in his career, um, passing down information. If you have something that a nugget you've learned, share it on the community for disaster tough podcast, and we'll see you for the next one. Peace.